0: Hello and welcome to Sobercast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting Sobercast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. <laughs> Hello, my name is John. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, hey, John. John. Um, so for anyone who are here who is in I don't know. The first few days or whatever. Um, I guess welcome. It's weird here, um, and it's okay to feel terrible. Uh, I don't know. Some people seem to really like their first thirty or sixty days. I don't understand that. It was it was awful for me, um, but I guess it was just worse before. So I was willing to go through it. I don't understand. I think it was just like I didn't see any other way. So just like one foot and the other foot. Um, but it does get better and. Uh, somehow, I don't know, I'm a very cynical person and I don't really believe in things that I don't see or I don't know Um, and yet this is something I have like this weird blank spot for in my head in which I'm willing to basically take everything here on complete faith Um, because it's just served me really well up to this point Um, I I guess I've just accumulated enough evidence that um, though I don't understand it it works or something, I don't know I think I just, I don't know, often I don't know why I'm coming to meetings or why I work steps or why I'm meeting with my sponsor or why I'm meeting with sponsees. It's not something that like, I think or like this makes me feel better. Not indirectly or uh, not immediately at least. Um, but it's just a habit and you build the habit and it replaces the old one or maybe something else. I don't know. I don't get it. Um, my first, uh, my first drink was, I don't know, I was a teenager or something. It's not that important. I was, uh, the part that was interesting about it to me was that I work, uh It was with a friend of mine, and after that day we drank. It was I didn't like it that much. His life, like, kind of went that way, and my life, like, went that way. And um, that never really struck me as all that interesting up until recently when I was going through reading, and it talked about the idea of the phenomenon of craving, which is like, I, of course, I've heard that a million times. Um, I've never given any thought. And the weird thing that occurred to me was that I had never before that moment. This was like maybe a month ago. Considered the fact that when other people drink, they don't have that. That it just never occurred to me that someone would drink, feel it, and then not just always think about it. I think even, you know, this has been, you know, about over five years now. It just never occurred to me that other people aren't just, you know, normal people. Don't just always want to drink. They're just better. I don't know. I guess I never examined it. Uh, it was a very interesting thing, which I realized that craving is its something that sets me apart. Um, bodily, mentally, spiritually. I don't know what you call it. Um, but So for me, that phenomenon of craving happened immediately that next day. I didn't really like it, like I said. Um, it made me act in embarrassing ways. I didn't remember a lot of what I did. Um, but the next day, I did it again. And then the next day I did it again, and blah, 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 blah. Um, the next important point for me was, uh, I guess I was in college at this time. I'm not, I don't know the exact timing, but basically it's been a series of, it was, you know, because it worked for a bit and it was great. And then it was not so great, I guess. And I wasn't really, it, it wasn't, I don't know. It was bad, but it could have been bad otherwise. I have no idea. But the, I see it now as these points of like progressive moments of like desperation or willingness or windows of willingness. I don't know what they were called. I guess they were really just realizations of powerlessness um, in which I would say to myself, okay, I'm going to stop. This is this is really bad. I can see, you know, why this is happening. This particular one that I'm thinking of, I was in college, uh, I had been kind of squatting with some I don't know what I was doing I was uh basically people I was living with I was stealing from them um because they were drug dealers and they you know it's what you do when you live with drug dealers um and so they found out these were all my friends so they kicked me out and I was kind of a pariah so I kind of just wandered around and somehow I ended up uh in a psych ward after that and there was a nurse there who was like very kind woman was talking about like well why are you here you know and she kept pushing it and um I don't know. somebody some I just got through. I'm like, oh, oh, it's drugs or alcohol. Whatever I call it. I don't, um, it's alcohol, uh, <laughs> the, uh, and um I and I and she, she. I guess that came clear to me. And I decided I'm not going to drink. And I didn't even make it outside of the hospital when I got released. Uh, before I found a pill in my pocket, and I just took it because that's what I do. I took I took drugs. I made that decision a long time ago that that's what my life is going to be. I think I still had the idea that I was also going to be the super successful person, but I was also going to be like a, a street junkie and it was going to work. I was going to make them work.
1: Um,
0: like I was going to go to the UN, but also not have a home. I don't
1: know. Uh,
0: depends on the day, I guess. Uh, so that was the first time. And it happened lots of times after that. And then it happened the last time in which I was basically, for the most part, homeless. Um, I don't know why I keep saying it that way. I mean, I was homeless. I slept indoors a lot of the time, but like, it wasn't, uh, it's a word. It doesn't matter. I was, it was bad. It was bad. And, uh, she <laughs> so was in Washington, D.C. Uh, I, it was in the middle of summer and I had thrown some alcohol into a toy into a uh, trash can. because so I was done this time for real. And, um, I walked away and then I was back to that trash can. It's a hot, nasty trash can fast. Um, and I found myself digging through this garbage can, it's disgusting, and I want myself to stop, and I can't stop. Like, I'm telling myself to stop, and I'm not stopping. And I didn't know at that time, I didn't really give it a word, and that's what I know now is powerlessness. And somehow, after that, I kept kicking along for a little bit, but I wound up in another detox. And this time, I'd heard something in an AA meeting. I'd been in AA meetings, and this time, I guess I was desperate or something, and I heard about the idea of a complete a uh, personality change or spiritual experience or psychic displacement or something. And, um, I heard it and I realized that I had to change everything about myself if I was going to stay sober. Uh, and that actually for the first time really wanted to be sober, I guess, or was willing to do it. And I soon after that found myself in a halfway house and it was a brain dead mess. It was terrible. It was like alarm bells were going off in my head every day. And I guess that every day it was just a little less loud. Maybe. Um, I heard a, uh, a line, the second line I remember hearing in Big Book was this, you know, we can look the world in the eyes again. And I remember hearing that and realizing that I just, that was like an incredible idea to me. Like that just, I wanted that so badly because I, I don't think I'd ever known how to do that. Um, and you know, just after that, you know, year after year, and I, uh, this was just my experience. Uh, I don't think this is going to be universal, but I was very unhappy for the first three years. The first year was pretty much terrible, but I was just very, I mean, previously, like, twice a year, I would just fall into these depressions, and, and it was just, it was, it was painful. Um, and I don't think I was getting any better. I was just, I was still pretty crazy. I was still very self, incredibly self-centered. Um, I was still doing a lot of the same things that I, uh, did before. I just wasn't getting high. Uh, I was going to meetings, and theoretically, again, I guess I was working steps. Um, but it wasn't, I wasn't getting any better. And that's sort of this way. It kicked, it kicked out on a little bit. Um, and, this past year, and this is kind of the point that I guess I wanted to get to. And I was, just, just, I was thinking about this just an hour or so ago is that you know, these bad periods would come, but it was always this kind of pointless. I, it was just like this thing. This is, I do steps in AA for my drinking problem, but then also I have this other shitty life. That I don't really like that much, but two different things. Um, and, uh, this past year, it, I just had this really terrible year in which it was just, I, it was just, you know, fear and pain and just like, just insanity, and um, I, I had another time in which uh, I just I couldn't do it do it on my own, and I just happened to be in the right place in the right time. Someone said the right thing to me, and I decided, okay, all right, God, fine, I'll give yeah, I'll, I'll give this away, and I started doing that prayer of like, please take away, you know, take my will, my you know, what was it, take away my thinking, and direct my actions to how I can be of service to you, or just doing if I really needed it, just doing a long third step prayer and just over and over and over again. And there was some solace that I found in that. And um, it's been since then, there's just been this very uh, marked change in my life. And I don't know if it's a direct result of this terrible year that I had, if that was a necessary place to get where I am now. Um, I kind of think it is, but um, I really do connect it with the idea that I had another moment of just like powerlessness was once again, painfully obvious to me. And I uh, I was willing to give it up and since then you know I my life right now I' was never been like a, I've never had self-esteem that really I guess and now I really do I'm really into what I'm doing right now I'm really into who I am right now okay. um, there's just a lot of stuff that I'm doing and I am that I'm just really about and that's new for me and I if it wasn't for that one two and three you know steps one two and three I'm just I mean I can't do this and I don't Necessarily believe it's going to work, but I'm going to do it anyways. And and just doing that footwork again. I show up in a meeting. I don't know why I'm here. I'm just doing it. It's, it's what I do. Um, I think that's it's time, right? Good enough.
1: All right, thank you. Thank you,
0: That's
1: nice up to you. You'll hear me. My name is Donna, and I am an alcoholic. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. I just want to say I don't like listening to speakers for 40 minutes, so if you don't want to listen to me, feel free to check out. <laughs> Usually, if I'm in a AA meeting, I want to talk, because what I have to say is important. And now all of a sudden I'm thinking that nothing I have to say is important. So I'm going to try not to be important, and I'll just tell you what it was like, what happened, and what I'm like now. So I am um, i have 19 years of continuous sobriety, uh, almost 20. It'll be 20 in about a month. My sobriety birth date is March 15, 1997. And... Um, and it's kind of a milestone for me. And it's mainly a milestone for me because I drank for 20 years. And uh, so I'm curious to see if my life changes now that I've been sober as long as I drank. And, and so it, you know, it, it's a big deal to me. This idea of being, tw- having 20 years without a drink. Because when I got here, I never would have imagined that that was possible for me. Never never. So I started drinking when I was 13 years old. I drank till I was 33. And um, my drinking, I always say my drinking is like uh, in two, like the first 10 years and the second 10 years. There's two halves to my drinking. And the first 10 years was party all the time. Like that's what I did. I was a partier and uh, I was known to be a partier I enjoyed being a partier, and it's really what I kind of thought I was going to do for the rest of my life, and uh, one of my good friends who's here now, like, my idol was the Michelle Pfeiffer character in Scarface, like, that's, <laughs> that's who I wanted to be, I wanted to have, you know, my cocaine under my manicured nails and my cocktail in the crystal glass with my drug dealer boyfriend in the hot tub, you know, that's like, that's like in our bedroom, right? That was a dream, like, I really, that, that's who, that's, that was my goal in life, to do that, to do that, and, um, and I, and I tried, you know, <laughs> I should have moved to Miami, but thank God I didn't, but I probably would have been dead, so that, that was like characteristic of the first 10 years, that's what I did, I drank a lot, I drank a lot. I, what I know today, there's some truths that I know in my life, the first being that I'm an alcoholic. And the reason I know that I'm an alcoholic is because, actually, I was thinking about this the other day. I, I've been addicted to quite a number of substances. And when I, when I think of taking the first drink, when I think of alcohol, and we, you know, we have this whole concept of you don't take the first drink, you don't get drunk. So when I think of taking the first drink, I don't even want the first drink. I want the second drink. And that's really like, and I feel it right now, even saying that, like that, it's a visceral response. I would have the first one, okay, so I had a drink, but the second one was like, like, okay, here we go. And that's actually how I felt every time I put a drink (laughs) or a drug in my body. It was like, oh, here we go. Like, this, it's on now. This this is happening this is what I want. And um, in the beginning, it was fine because everyone I was hanging around drank like I did. You know, we snuck out of the house. We stole our parents' liquor. We got drunk in parking lots. I hooked up with grown men who were more than happy to buy me alcohol. And, uh, and uh, you know, like, that's what I did. And um, stumbled home, got cleaned up. Parents took care of everything. So I, did, I really didn't have a problem with my drinking. And then when I got out of high school and got out of college, I started to recognize that everyone in my life around me started to have lives, and they started to have real lives, and that was not happening for me. You know, people started to get jobs and get relationships and get property and buy cars and have children and all of these things, and... Um, that, that just wasn't happening in my life. Everything I was attempting to do in my life failed. You know, I was getting fired or reprimanded. I was losing every relationship that I had. You know, like, like I just couldn't get to a place where I felt, Oh, this is it. I've, I've arrived. And then because of that, then I had to become a different person and I started to lie you know, and I started to lie to the rest of the world and lie to myself, and I needed alcohol. I needed alcohol. And that's when it all changed for me, when I started to need alcohol to make everything better. And uh, alcohol made (laughs) made everything better, right? So I would go out there, I would go to work, I would pretend I was doing the deal, I would, you know, like, be striving or ambitious or you know something all good was always happening in my life and inside I was miserable inside I was crumbling and a shell of a person and really sad and lonely and depressed and and baffled that's why I love the language in our literature that word baffled is so true from my experience because I'm not an unintelligent person and yet I was incapable of thinking my way through this stuff And that's baffling. And I couldn't think my way to solve my life's problems. No matter what I tried, I didn't succeed. You know, and I tried a lot. I tried, just like it says in more about alcoholism, I tried all kinds of shit. You know, I went to yoga. I went to psychics. I went to a zillion churches. I was always looking for something that was going to solve my problem. And all of them did for a moment. They solved my problem for a moment. What I didn't realize, my problem was drinking. My problem was the fact that at the end of every day I went home and drank to my head by myself until I blacked out. That was my problem. And then I got up and I had to lie about what I had done the night before, and I had to lie to everyone about that. That was my problem. But I couldn't I couldn't land on that, right? And then I did. You know, I married an alcoholic who came from an alcoholic family, which really opened my eyes because I did not. There's not active alcoholism in my immediate home. I always say the first person I saw drunk was me. Like, that's kind of a big deal. Like, the first person I ever really experienced drunk was me. So I was really sheltered from the... out. There is alcoholism in my family, but my mom is a total, like, grade A, number one, codependent, Al-Anon, ACA. So, like, we were, like, just, like... Protected from everything, so I didn't even see it, right, until I married my husband and walked into this big, huge alcoholic family. He was one of seven. All the boys in the family, there were four, drug addicts and alcoholics. All the women in the family, codependents. Like, classic. Like, it was textbook. And I, little Donna, was going to save them all. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that didn't really work. And um but I knew, I knew my husband was alcoholic, so then I knew that I was alcoholic, and that's, that's really when, when the gig was up for me, and that's when I started to panic, because what I knew then, what comes next is that I would have to put the alcohol down, like I, I kept trying to get us to quit drinking, and, uh and uh, I would tell him I w- we would have we're going to quit drinking for three weeks. I don't know why it's three weeks, but it's always three weeks. And so we would like agree, we're going to quit drinking for three weeks. And then uh, by the end of the first week, he would drink again, because he didn't have a problem with being an alcoholic. And then I would get mad at him, right? Because he's drinking and I'm not. So then I would drink. And then, you know, there goes the three weeks. And, And this happened over and over. I was Always trying to control our control our drinking. There's a little problem there, and um, and so I did what any good alcoholic would do, and I divorced him because you know, of course, he was the problem. So I got, right after that, I got involved with a worse alcoholic who, and worse in a lot of ways, uh, someone who was abusive towards me, and uh, and my life my life got darker and darker, and it, and that progressed, and. Um, to a point where I didn't even know myself anymore, and I had no way out. And then my dad died. And my dad died of cancer. He died over a period of about three months when we found out the diagnosis. And uh, and I didn't know what to do. I had no idea how to face this. And I was alone, essentially, because even the woman I was living with was, uh, you know, like uninterested in anything I was doing. And, uh, And I was working, by the grace of God, I was working with a woman who had three years sober in this program. And that's God. Like, there's no question for me that God exists, none. Because if I look at certain hallmarks in my story, there's no way things could have lined up the way they did without divine intervention, in my opinion. And this is one of them. And she took me to a meeting, and uh, I didn't stop drinking, but I knew that there was a place I could go if I needed to. And what I did actually do with her is started practicing this program even before I knew it. When the last three weeks of my father's life, I vowed not to take a drink during that time because I didn't want to cause additional problems for my family. And I would call her every night, and I would say, you know, I really want a drink. And she'd go, yeah, I know you do. She goes, that's okay, just go to sleep and call me in the morning. And I would do that every day, and I didn't drink. And then my dad died, and don't you know, I got in the, I got in the car, and I drove to the liquor store, because I needed that. Three weeks of white knuckling—it was long enough—and I got shit faced that night, and um, and ended up somewhere I didn't even, I, didn't even, I didn't even—I was in a town I didn't even know I was in, and my family was panicking, right? And there I was doing what I do best. That's what I did. And uh, so it took me a little while longer after that. My dad died in December of 96, December 16th. And it's almost three months to the day that I got sober because what I realized is that I couldn't do this anymore. And I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I wanted to access some Mm -hmm. sense of decency again in my life. And so I, uh, I started going to meetings uh, on my own and I was still drinking in between. So if you come to meetings and you drink again, just keep coming back. That's the whole point of it. Like it doesn't matter. I drank and I went to meetings. And that's the truth of my story. And uh, meetings, quite truthfully, sometimes when I was really, really new, made me want to drink. And, uh, and so I would. And so I, I, but I kept coming, right? That's the thing. I kept coming and I felt safe here. I never felt safe. Towards the last five years of my drinking, I never felt safe anymore. I knew I was a danger to myself, I knew it. And I knew it was beyond my control. I knew that too, I knew it intuitively. And so when I came here and I could sit here for an hour and not worry, and not think that I was gonna go out and cause harm, like that was a miracle for me. It was a miracle. So I kept coming. And then on March 15th, I moved out of the abusive relationship and into a place of my own. And I told myself, today's the day. Today's the day. you are going to attempt <laughs> to not drink anymore. And I've never been so frightened in my life. Never. The first year of my surprise is absolutely the hardest year of my life. It's the hardest thing I ever did. I wanted to drink every fucking day. I wanted to drink like My skin would be crawling. I wanted something in my body to change the way I felt. I needed to change the way I felt. And so what I did was what was suggested. I spent a lot of time in meetings. I would leave work in the middle of the day, just like abandon my job and go to a meeting because I couldn't sit there anymore with these voices in my head and these feelings and this desire and this longing. So I would just go to meetings sometimes four and five in a day, and I would sit here and I would listen to the other alcoholics and I would know that there was something here even though I couldn't put my finger on it and I couldn't name it. But I knew that it could happen for me and I was petrified that it wouldn't, right? And the brain, the alcoholic brain, right? Meanwhile, my alcoholic brain was telling me, you're not an alcoholic. But I never realized how alcoholic I was until I put it down. And because I was so dependent on it, and everything came up, everything during that year. Norma will tell you we've been sober together the whole time. And like all of my shit, I was smoking, I was binging and purging, I was overspending, I was having sex with like hella old timers, and uh, and, uh, like boys and girls. It didn't matter. Like it was all over the place. Like I tell you what. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I needed that too. Like some of these old timers who were sleeping with me, God bless them. They took care of me. They took care of me. Like they, they would say. One of them said, "I can't sleep with you till you get a sponsor." <laughs> I said, "Sure, let me get it. Let me get on that. Let me get right on that." <laughs> okay, I have a sponsor. This is my sponsor. <laughs> yeah. So. Everything came up, and I didn't even know I had all those problems. I really didn't. I didn't know I had all those problems. But I needed something to change the way I feel, change the way I feel, right? I was so afraid of feeling, which is so crazy. I heard this great thing in a meeting the other day where a woman said she it was a newcomer. It was very powerful for me. She was saying she was struggling and that uh, she was so afraid she was going to drink. I could hear it in her voice, and I remember that feeling, like, so afraid I'm going to drink. And she said she called some people that she knew, one of them who had gone out. And that person said to her, their only thought, stop being a pussy. (laughs) 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 And that's what I've learned here. Their only feelings, (coughs) Donna, you can stop being a pussy, right? Like, (laughs) But it took time. It took time. That's why I really respect the hell out of the newcomer. To me, it's crazy. I swear to God, even now, when I see someone come here, sit down and be willing to come back, I'm always like, okay, like, like, that's mind blowing to me. Like, why, why would you do that? And, uh, because it is hard. But, you know, I, I have mad respect for the newcomer and love for the newcomer because, uh, because this life, you know, I'll talk about this life. This life, not exactly the life I thought it would be. I don't even know if it's the life that I wanted. But the, And sometimes I miss my old life, and that's the truth. That's the truth of who I am. I, I liked to be wild. I liked to run loose. I liked being drunk and drugged. I did. I liked it. Sometimes, even now, I'll miss it. But I wouldn't do it again. I wouldn't trade this for that. That will not happen. Because I have a commitment to a power greater than myself. And it's a commitment. It's ironclad. And I'll tell you why. Because my sobriety, and everything that goes with it, is the only thing in this life that cannot be taken from me. It can never be taken from me. The only reason I lose my sobriety, if I were to lose my sobriety, is because I gave it away. And I won't do that. Because God has given me too much. Too much. And I have a commitment. My relationship with God is my primary relationship. It's the one I devote the most time and attention to. And I'm not a perfect person. And I'm not, I mean, I'm no saint. I do things of my free will, but I do them in communion with the power greater than myself. I don't act independently, ever right we were talking about that in the car like if I'm only talking to myself I'm not working this program this program involves me talking to another alcoholic it's one alcoholic talking to another that's what this is that at the crux of it that's what this program is one alcoholic talking to another that's what happened for me the woman that 12 stepping into this program she looked at me she knew I was an alcoholic she never told me I was an alcoholic she told me what her experience her strength and her hope i said oh i i need that i want that right and that's what i do today to the best of my ability and i learned that here and i didn't you know i didn't want i didn't want to be if i didn't want to be who i am today <laughs> i didn't want to be responsible and mature and take care of things and responsive to others and helpful and kind (laughs) and loving and all the things that I really, really am inside. Inside, which is the truth of me, I didn't want to be those things. I wanted because of various things that happened to me in my life, to be that badass that pushes you all away, that says, I'm not doing this. The, you know, the the defiant alcoholics, we're classic. I'm not even unique. <laughs> that's what I hate about this program. In all the ways I thought I was unique, that's not even the truth of who I am. I'm not unique. It's in those pages. You can read it. I mean, in, I read that book and I see me, right? I read that book and I see the women that I work with. And, uh, and I, um, I, I love the big book for that reason. So when I got here, so I'm, so I'll tell you this story because it's really actually, it sums up how I feel about my higher power. So I was, uh, I was about nine months sober probably. And I was crazy, like really crazy. And I had, uh, a lot of debt that people were knocking down my door to get at me about. And uh, I was scared, and I talked to my sponsor in name only so I could be sleeping with this person. And um, my sponsor said to me, you know, I I just spilled everything about how awful my life was and how this program doesn't work and all these things. And and uh, he wisely said, well, perhaps you should go out and drink again. And then, like, I I froze. I I got I was like like that, and I was I was like no, that's not what I'm saying. He's like, well, you're not doing this program, Donna, and you're complaining about it, and you're not happy. So why don't you just go drink again? And I was like, I can't drink again. You don't understand. I can't drink. Why are you saying? You know, and I got really spun out about it, but I also got mad, and I was like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm not going to drink again. You know. And it was just like, like. It was the best thing he probably could have said to me, and I was supposed to be doing 90 and 90, right? So I thought, okay, I'll show you. I'm going to do 90 and 90, and I was probably about 20 behind. So I was going (laughs) to catch up and go to a bunch in a day and then, you know, like make up for the... Anyways, so I wake up the next morning. I was living in Belmont at the time. I lived on the other side of the bay when I first got sober. So I was living in Belmont. Looking for an early morning meeting because you have to start early to get these meetings in so I can make, catch up and so I find this meeting in in San Francisco at ten ten Valencia eight thirty in the morning so I jump in my little car and I drive up the one hundred and one to San Francisco and uh, on my way there I have a conversation with God and I'm really really upset and I told him and I. So then I yelled at him, and that's the truth, and I told him, you know, look, motherfucker, you're not doing anything for me, <laughs> and this sobriety deal sucks, and I don't want to do it anymore, and I'm not kidding you, if you don't give me a sign today, and I mean a real sign, one that I recognize as a sign, I'm going to go drink right after this meeting. And do you got it? And I was really, and that's what I said. And I get to the meeting and I sit down and I don't know if any of you were ever in 1010, but it's kind of a crazy place. There are a lot of wet drunks there. It was pandemonium. Finally I felt at home. I settled in there and I was very happy to be there. I was finally around people who drank like I did. You know, in Hillsborough and Belmont, where I was going to meetings, God bless them, I love them, they're sober, but I couldn't recognize myself there. But when I got to Ten Ten Valencia, I did. I was like, "Oh, okay, I get it now. These are drunks. This is where I belong." So I sit through the meeting, the woman secretary in the meetings, calmly, like dodging chairs and doing all this stuff, like just like, and I was like, "Whoa!" and uh, <laughs> Watching the whole spectacle, and in my mind, happy because I'm going to go drink, right? I already told him I'm going to drink. I didn't expect God to send me a sign. I really did not. So I'm thinking, I even picked out the bar because I used to live at 30th and Dolores, and so I knew where I was going to the bar around the corner from my old house near 1010. I had it all lined up. I know where I'm going to go. I'm drinking, and everything in me is happy. Okay, God, this is over. I can go drink now because God's not going to send me a sign, and I'm going to go about my merry way. So at the end of the meeting, they say, "Does anyone have a burning desire?" And I raise my hand, mm. Mm. and I'm like, "What the fuck? Donna, like, like, <laughs> like, I'm like doing this? Like, like, what are you doing? You're raising your hand, but you're going to drink. Don't raise your hand." And I'm, and she says, "Yes." And I just spilled all over that meeting. I just like, just vomited all over them and like, this isn't working. I hate who I am. I don't know who I am anymore. I, uh, I don't, I don't want to do this. Nothing, you know, just blah, 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 crying. And then, uh, they're like, okay. And i sitting there. The meeting ends. This woman and her sponsor. They come over to me, hello, you know, my name's Terry, this is my sponsor, Chris, welcome, And uh, usually I run out of the room after the meeting, so the fact that I was standing there is kind of miraculous. And um, her sponsor says to me, the secretary's sponsor says to me, the words that changed my life. She says, she took both my hands in hers and she looked me straight in the eye and she said, Donna, all you are is an alcoholic in recovery on your way to a meeting. That's all you are. That's all you ever have to be. And as sure as I was standing there, it was a, it was a lightning bolt. It was the sign. And I knew it. I couldn't deny it. I felt every inch of my body just, like, solidify, and I knew. I looked up, and I just shook my head. And I thought, how arrogant of you, Donna, to think that God's not going to do what he needs to do, right? I walked out of there a changed person, a changed person. I used to... Drive around. When I was new, I used to drive around in circles because I couldn't be at home. And I would just drive and drive and drive and drive. And um once this happened, I would get in the car and I would drive to a meeting. I had a schedule with me all the time. So it's what I did. I would go to a meeting, go to a meeting, go to a meeting. But more than that, I started working with the woman who was a secretary, We started meeting at her house every week. I put down my pride enough to work on the steps, and she took me through the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. I became truly, for the first time in this whole time I've been sitting in these rooms, an alcoholic in recovery, meaning doing this thing. And I swear to you, everything changed for me. And what changed for me the most is the way I felt about myself. When I got here, I was full of shame, self-loathing, regret, you know, all these things that we come in here with because of the things that I had done, terrible things that I had done while I was out there drinking, to people that I loved, things that I thought were unforgivable, unforgivable. I'd made out with my husband's brother on our wedding night. <laughs> That's what I did. Like, that's who I was. Like, that's, that's, that's what I did. You know? And, and, and there's worse. There's worse. There's things, there's things I don't share at group level that when I shared them the first time with this woman who was working with me, I thought I could never utter them. I really believed that if I ever said this aloud, that, I, that person would stab me in the heart with a knife. I thought that it was that bad and it is bad but i've heard i've heard the same now i've had the grace of hearing the same and she did what she did what she did what she knew to do she listened she told me about herself she told me stories about herself that i couldn't believe would come from this woman that was sitting in front of me she showed me the power of transformation just by her example And I knew then that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. Right? And I chased it with a fervor. I became an AA guru. (laughs) 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 And I wanted this program. And I ate, slept, and drank AA. And it worked for me. And it worked for me for a number of years, you know? And then it didn't. And that's the thing about long-term sobriety, right? Like, it's so weird now to be almost 20 years sober. And the... it's like, on the one hand, I do this regularly, I go to a meeting every day, I do every day, I, I have, and I finally, you know, I go to a meeting every day because it keeps me right size and it keeps me in the mental space where I need to be to be out there and know that there's hope and that I'm doing something, right, doing something. So I go to a meeting every day. I try to maintain a sponsor relationship to the best of my ability. I work with other women. I read this book. You know, I take phone calls, like whatever it is. I do what I was taught to do when I got here. And I do it, and I do it. I've been doing it. And it feels like, you know, on the one hand, I know it. Like, Like, it just, it is what I am now. It's not even a question anymore in my life. This is how my life runs. This is what I do. But then on the other hand, there's a way in which my sobriety now is about, like, really, in a way, it's like, who am I really sober? Like, what what am I really doing now? If I am a sober woman, and I am a sober woman, then what does that look like? How do I manifest that in the world? What, What, you know, like, what is it? What What am I doing? That's That's beyond this idea of not drinking a day at a time. Like, and that's really where my sobriety lies today. And more so, it lies so. Finally, like where I am right now is about like really relinquishing control. And I never thought I would get here. I never. I never thought that I would come to rely upon a power greater than myself. Sure, I believed in this power. I will praise this power. I talk about this power. But I would not, I refused to rely on this power well into my sobriety. I always wanted to decide what was going to happen to me in my life, how it was going to happen, and, you know, have it laid out, like according to Donna's plan. And then when it didn't, I would blame my higher power, you know. And it was this cycle over and over. But now... I actually rely on this higher power. I actually say with conviction what I heard John say. And, and you know, it's interesting, this third-step prayer, because I've been saying it every day. I started saying it when I was newly sober, and I would say it every day, the third-step prayer, start my day with it. And my day changed. So I, the, my first sponsor was always like, pray and look for the evidence, pray and look for the evidence. So I'd say the third-step prayer and then look for the evidence, and it worked. Like, I would pray, my life would be better. So, I knew there was a direct correlation. But then, once I started to get really comfortable with sobriety and comfortable with my life and comfortable with the way things were, I kind of put the prayers down. But I went through a really difficult time emotionally and spiritually in the past year and a half or so over some stuff that caused me to need to find again in my, my, direct access to my higher power in a way that was, uh, that was going to take me out of where I, where I was. And um, I did, I told myself, I told myself what I tell every woman I work with. When the shit hits the fan, you go back to the beginning. You go back to the foundation when the shit hits the fan. And that's what I did. I started saying the third step prayer again every single morning. And I started saying all the other prayers that I say in the morning, the 7-step prayer and the 11-step prayer among them. Just as I did when I was a newcomer, don't you know my life has changed and my decisions are clearer and I'm able to welcome God into my life and I wasn't doing any of that. I was relying on Donna. And that's why this, to me there's no, there's no... Nothing I can stress more to a newcomer than establish a foundation. Establish it. Know that it's yours and know that it's what you're going to do, right? Because for me, it's life-sustaining. And it's not dramatic. It's not dramatic. If I go out again, I will die. And I'm not confused about that. And not... And that's okay, right? Like I always say, I can endure the shit I endured when I was out there. You can beat me again. You could throw me in jail again. You you know, I could crash cars again. I could do all those things again. I absolutely could. I could. But what will happen now is all these people who have come to depend on me from being sober for 20 years would be directly, negatively impacted by me using again. And that's not going to happen, Right? So if I don't want that to happen, I have to do what was taught to me in the beginning. I have to not drink a day at a time, go to meetings, turn it over. Trust God, clean house, help others. It's simple, right? It is simple. I'm grateful to have it. Thank you.